Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers, and a very happy new year once again. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You can gain culinary intelligence right here and right now as we kick off a new year of fabulous food. If you're passionate about the process, if you love discovering that perfect recipe, hearing about a grand new restaurant or the culinary trends that tend to ebb and flow in this great country of ours, well, then you are in the right place. I'm all about carefully selecting ingredients, adding those special touches and making meals uniquely your own. I believe in dishes that come alive with flavor, and I will travel for food. On this show, we cover everything from food trends to Food Network hosts to great food artisans. We cover wine, beer, and delicious dishes, of course. And it is my goal to add in a little bit of tech and lifestyle and travel too to help feed your soul. So I hope that you'll tune in every Sunday and elevate your passion just by staying tuned. You can feed your insatiable appetite as well by checking out my website at chefjamie.com and becoming a fan and friend on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So savor the flavor because we are kicking off this show with culinary inspiration. I'm always trying to share tips and tricks to help you navigate around your kitchen like a pro. And it's been my goal for the past very blessed 15 years that I have spent with you on the radio as my radio show continues. And if you're like me, you use a lot of Parmesan cheese. Now, Earlier, uh, just at the end of last month, in fact, my husband asked me what this bag was in the freezer, and it was actually rinds from Parmesan cheese. Yes, I collect them, and so I'll tell you why. Now, I love Parmesan. I think it has that wonderful sort of salty, tangy, delicious umami flavor that lends itself to so many fabulous flavors. And of course, there are different varieties of Parmesan that you should know about. There's Parmigiano Reggiano, which in the Italian style has a hard, gritty texture and that fruity, nutty taste. And then there's Grana Padano, often considered the king of Parmesan cheese, which is really my favorite if you're going all out and buying good Parmesan. Grano is aged a minimum of 18 months. It's made in northern Italy around the Po Valley, where they must have really good cows because it is really scrumptious. There are other types of Parmesan as well, but no matter the Parmesan you choose, I always suggest that you buy good quality cheese and that you grate it yourself right down to the rind using preferably a microplane grater. But then, of course, you must save the rinds. If you've been throwing away your rinds, you have been missing out on putting them to a very delicious second use. Now, As you collect the rinds, you save them in a resealable bag and you place them in the freezer. And by the way, you can also buy rinds in the supermarket today since the cheesemonger is uh, very smart and usually saves them and then sells them to you in bulk for very little money. When you need a flavor boost, you transform those collected ends into rich 
delicious dishes. Now, the rinds add a very subtle Parmesan flavor, but this sort of funky depth to so many things. Now, very simply, you could make a Parmesan broth just by simmering the rinds in water and you reduce the water by half and you stir it every now and then to keep the rinds from settling and sticking to the bottom of the pot. And then um, I like to strain it. And then I use the broth in vegetable soup or beans or anything that needs a boost. You could even freeze it in ice cube trays and then throw it into a sauce or a stew or a stock when you need to deglaze or make a sauce. Now, I have other great uses for the rinds if you're ready. You should always, definitely, throw them into tomato sauce when you're making it. They impart some really lovely flavor and then you pull them out and discard them when the sauce is done cooking. Then, of course, you could place them in a jar. You might have to cut the rinds into smaller pieces and you can pour olive oil over it, like a very standard mason jar. And you could add some garlic cloves, perhaps, as well. And you make a Parmesan-infused olive oil, which is so good for dipping delicious, crusty French bread into. Now, when you're making a minestrone or a good hearty winter soup, and we're going to be talking about National Soup Month, which is January this month coming up, you should always throw a Parmesan rind into your minestrone, into your bean soup, and of course, just fetch it out and discard it before you serve. When you're making a stock, it doesn't matter what kind, whether it be beef or chicken, if you've roasted the bones and thrown them into a pot with an onion and uh, some fennel fronds and a few last pieces of the sort of ugly, funky celery in the produce bin in your refrigerator, you should always throw in a Parmesan rind there as well. And then, of course, you should use them to flavor artichokes. So when you're steaming your artichokes, whether it be chicken broth or Italian dressing or lemon juice and water, you add a rind or two and you get the most absolutely glorious flavor. And then, of course, your Parmesan rinds are essential when you're making risotto or any other rice. Just throw one in and see how the flavor develops. And then lastly, if you want to make the best winter tomato soup ever. No matter how ripe or beautiful those tomatoes are, even if you're using the canned San Marzano kind, you can make it super cheesy by throwing in a piece of that Parmesan rind. So I hope after this tutorial that you won't throw those Parmesan rinds away or that you'll be inspired to buy a bag of rinds from the cheesemonger and see what creative, wonderful inspiration you can come up with. And I'd love to know, of course, what you do with your Parmesan rinds. So write to me. You can email me direct. It's jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. Okay, in food news this week, because foodies need to be in the know, right? Your milk just got fresher. Well, sort of. Okay, at least you'll know if it's still good. There was a study uh, and information released about the aging of milk, and teams from University of California, Berkeley, and National Chow Tung University in Taiwan are in the process of creating what is called a smart cap. It's an intelligent lid that will close your milk container or carton, and it senses bacterial levels in the container. The milk cap is fitted with tiny electronic components that track decomposition. So in theory, what you'll do is flip the milk carton over enough to splash some of the contents onto the cap, 
And then it will tell you whether the milk is still good or not. And you won't have to sniff or taste the carton again when it's near its best buy date. Pretty cool, right? Milk is getting smarter. In other supermarket news, according to the National Academy of Sciences, you should not do any grocery shopping when you're hungry. But you knew that. (laughs) Repeat, eat first, then grocery shop. Because going food shopping on an empty stomach has been proven to cost you in so many ways. In fact, the study released this past week, I believe, proved and showed that people who shop hungry buy 64% more than other shoppers. You're buying 64% more groceries. That's amazing, right? Okay, eat, then grocery shop. And then lastly, if you were stressed out getting back to work and school this past week, you should eat some dark chocolate. Why, you ask? Because research released just yesterday reported that small amounts of dark chocolate eaten daily will lower the stress hormone cortisol. I think that is very good foodie news. There's some other good news to share, of course, and a few things you won't want to miss, all posted at chefjamie.com. My weekly dish is an easy bolognese sauce. I was feeling Italian-inspired, in fact, and uh, traditionally, like in northern Italy, I add a little bit of milk to my meat sauce, and it tastes so good. There's also my Think Like a Chef feature, which will make you a better cook in your own kitchen. It's all about Squash 101, seeing that it is the season for hard-shelled squash. Also, a winter panzanella salad, a rosemary pear martini, ooh, and Toby Amador's whole grain banana chocolate chip pancakes, which use Greek yogurt, by the way, all posted at www.chefjamie.com. As I mentioned just a bit ago, Toby Amador is coming up. You've heard of her. She is the nutritionist that has gotten uh, a ton of buzz across this country because she shares recipes we all love. It is a yogurt nation, don't you think? And her Greek yogurt kitchen will inspire you. Plus, coming up, we're sharing savory soups and stews with the test kitchen director of Savour Magazine, Faraday Sadigan. And we're highlighting the benefits of a food lover's cleanse because it is time to reboot, don't you think? Sarah Dickerman stopping by before the end of the hour. So don't touch your dial. There is so much more fabulous food to chew on. So we'll take a quick break and come right back. I'd like to welcome WKDP in Corbin, Kentucky to the Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen show. Thank you for listening, fabulous foodies. Don't touch your dial. There's more delicious conversation right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. It's a new year, new you, and we're all looking to cook leaner and cleaner after the holiday gluttony, right? I don't know about you, but I love Greek yogurt. Thick and creamy with that tart finish. It's definitely my go-to breakfast or snack. And Greek yogurt has no doubt quickly become America's favorite health food. But with its amazing health benefits, why wouldn't you want to eat it at every meal? Another 
Greek yogurt lover, no doubt, is joining us. She is actually uh, leading the pack on using Greek yogurt in just about everything. Her cookbook, The Greek Yogurt Kitchen, is fantastic. She is nutrition expert and registered dietitian Toby Amador, and she teaches you in the book how to substitute Greek yogurt for many of the higher fat foods that we use, like butter and cream cheese and oil. She says that you can cut back on fat and calories without compromising flavor, and she is here to teach us how. Welcome, Toby. I'm really glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, you call Greek yogurt a superstar food, right? And it has a a rise to fame that continues. Tell us what you love about it. Well, first I love the the flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like a little bit of the tartness, but it depends on the variety, So, which is nice about it. So depending on the variety, you can get a little bit different tartness on it or just less tartness. Um, but it also has less sugar, it has less sodium, and because um, it's thick and creamy and a lot of the whey was taken out, um, so that's why it's lactose intolerant friendly food. Hmm. Um, but it also has double the amount of protein of traditional yogurt. Yeah, which is fabulous. And you can find Greek yogurt in different styles today, like uh, 0% fat and the 2% fat, and then different brands, as you mentioned as well. Do you have a favorite or a, a suggestion or preference? I think everybody is individual with their taste, you know, and their flavor. So sure. I think you should go out and taste what you love the best. Some people like it thicker. Some people don't like it as thick. Like I said, some people like it a little bit more tart, some people don't, and they have everything out there. So you just have to play with it and go have fun with it. Okay, I like it thick and tangy. Like I like Mm -hmm. to drain any extra whey, like any liquid from it. I like it like, you know, just rich and and viscous. And I've always used it, you know, um, as a a base for the tzatziki in Greek cuisine or to make a, a layered... Um, yogurt parfait in the morning, but you use it in everything. So you bake with it, you substitute it for other fats. Can you teach us how to use it at different temperatures? So if you want to cook with it, with any dairy product, you have to be careful because, you know, it may burn on the bottom of the pan or it can separate out. So what I like to do, you can either temper it, um, and there's a couple ways you can do that. So what you're trying to do is you have very hot food, and if you put cold yogurt in there, forget it. It's going to separate. So what I do is I put, let's say I have my little bowl of yogurt mm-hmm. on the side of my hot, let's say, pan I'm cooking in. I will take a few tablespoons of that and warm up the yogurt, and then I can add it inside once it's a little bit higher, te- the yogurt is a little bit higher temperature. Okay, so like you're sauteing chicken with uh, vegetables or some sauce. You're saying you take some of the sauce out of the pan, warm the yogurt up, and then put the mixture back in. Exactly, and okay. then you can have more of a creamy sauce. The other way you can do it is if you just take the pan, let's say that you're cooking that, you know, chicken and vegetables in, and just take it off the heat, put it on a burner that has no heat, and just wait about 30 seconds. Smart. Then you can mix it in when it's not as hot anymore. Okay, and then how to bake with it? Well, baking, I do a lot of substitution. So I'll substitute it for butter. Um, so if I have uh, two sticks of butter, let's say, uh, which is uh, one cup of butter, I can use one stick of butter and a quarter cup of Greek yogurt. Or if I have one stick of butter, you just use a half of that, so a half a stick of butter with an, two tablespoons of Greek yogurt. So, and, and you substitute it proportionally, like 50% yes. of the fat with Greek yogurt works in most mm-hmm. of your recipes. Yes. So really a lot of my recipes with the baking, um, with the baking you have to be more exact, but let's say you're doing sour cream okay. um, or mayonnaise for, let's say, a tuna or potato salad. I don't like all that fat from mayo. It's very, very high in fat. 
So I, I, but I still like that mayo flavor. Yes. So I will do like a 50-50 mix. I'll take usually like a reduced fat mayo, let's say two tablespoons, and I'll take two tablespoons of my uh, nonfat plain Greek yogurt and mix it together. And you can't really tell. It really tastes like the mayo because the Greek yogurt actually takes on the flavor of whatever you mix with it. Yeah, it definitely has that sort of very versatile base level texture. I mean, the tangier, the Greek yogurt you like, the more it's going to have an impact, right? But I could imagine like chicken salad. That would be delicious with a combination of mayonnaise and Greek yogurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds so good. And you good. can even do like a blue cheese dressing. Ooh. You don't even need that much blue cheese. You just need hmm. an ounce or two and right. then you mix it with, you know, you can blend it with the Greek yogurt. You'll get a really nice tangy uh, dressing, but not so many calories because you're cutting it by a tremendous amount with the Greek yogurt. Okay, that's fabulous. All right, let's go back to salad dressing for a second because you talk about simple salad dressings in the book. And by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late because Toby Amador is here. She is the author of The Greek Yogurt Kitchen with more than 130 delicious, healthy recipes for every meal of the day. Um, you t- uh, you share, rather, a, an orange ginger dressing in the book. That's uh, orange ginger dressing. My dad is like an orange fanatic. He's <laughs> the one who likes the orange peel covered with dark chocolate. Me too, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had to make an orange uh, dressing for him. So in this dressing, it's really, really simple. It's just a little bit of orange zest, a little bit of orange juice, honey, um, and then mixed with uh, ginger, cinnamon, and a half a cup of nonfat plain Greek yogurt. And then you just, um, you can whisk it together, and that's it. And that's your dressing. Yeah, but you get the best of the acid, the sweet acid from the orange juice, and then the creaminess of the yogurt lending itself to sort of a, a cream-style dressing that coats all the leaves. And, and I think the honey also yes. displaces some, right, the honey you need in there for the acidity of both the orange juice and the Greek and the yogurt, yogurt. It, it helps it. So it comes out really nicely, not too, you know, overly bitter, you know, because of the orange zest. It comes out really nice. He liked it, and that huh. says a lot to me. Well, definitely so. I can't wait to make it. And to toss, like, blanched vegetables or spinach salad or as we come into spring, you know, the the lighter, lovely salads with grilled chicken or ooh, ahi tuna. That would be so good. Okay, I'm going backwards for a second. Breakfast, the substitution of Greek yogurt for other fats, let's say in pancakes, do you get the same rise and the same fluffy deliciousness? So I have these whole grain uh, chocolate chip banana pancakes, which is like a buttermilk pancake. Mm. My kids, that's the one they request literally once a week. Um, And so what you can do is, and I have a substitution chart in the book, and it it says it in the directions of the recipe too, but for one cup of buttermilk, you can actually substitute two-thirds of a cup of Greek yogurt and a little bit of milk. So you're cutting the fat tremendously, but you still get the same results as, you know, a fluffy pancake coming out. Really smart. And then I just flipped past beef stroganoff and Greek yogurt mashed potatoes. That sounds like the ultimate winter meal. Yes. Beef stroganoff uses that tempering method that I mentioned before. Right. You can use either of the two to use it. Oh, I, I can't um, wait to make that, That's a nice, too. you know, light beef stroganoff. Yeah, lovely. And then, of course, dessert, essential to every meal, in my humble opinion. Um, but <laughs> there are two things uh, that I very much look forward to tasting from your book, amongst others. Double chocolate chip cookies with Greek yogurt. 
I substituted the butter, you right. know, some Greek yogurt for the butter. But what's really nice when you do um, like double chocolate chip cookies, you can do unsweetened cocoa powder. You'll still get mm. those flavonoids and antioxidants, right. but it has so few calories in mm. the unsweetened cocoa powder. That's the nutritionist in you talking. Yes. Proving that Greek yogurt has quickly become America's favorite power food. Everything you need to know about using Greek yogurt in every meal from breakfast to dessert shared in the Greek Yogurt Kitchen, cookbook released by Toby Amador, of course, a nutritionist and registered dietitian and fabulous cook. You can find her recipes shared generously and information on the book at Toby Amador, A-M-I-D-O-R, nutrition.com. Toby, come back next season, if you would, and let us know what you're making with the Greek yogurt as the weather changes. Oh, absolutely. I would love it. Thank you again for your time and passion. There's more delicious conversation in your radio. Keep it here. Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll be right back. delicious it's divine it's food and wine welcome back chef jamie gwen in your radio so january is national soup month and we've got some great ideas for ladling up goodness all month long from thai coconut chicken soup to a scottish crab bisque to a croatian fish stew There are over 100 inspired recipes for soups and stews in the new cookbook release from Savour Magazine entitled Soups and Stews by Savour. And Faraday Sadigan, the test kitchen director of Savour, is joining us to warm our souls. I'm very glad to have you on this wintry day. Hi, Faraday. Hi, Jamie. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, stopping by to dish. Okay, um, I happen to be a soup lover, and happy National Soup Month to you. Thank you, and to you as well. Thank you. Um, Adam Sachs, Savour's editor-in-chief, of course, who often graces this show, as you know, calls Mm -hmm. soup magic in his introduction. And I loved that reference, and I wondered, of course, if you agree. I totally do. And you know what always kind of reminds me of magic in that vein is that the old kind of folk tale of stone soup which you know I don't know yes. if you're if you're familiar with it yes. some travelers come to a town they have nothing to eat and they kind of you know inspire the rest of the town folk to each bring something um, and together they make this amazing soup um, out of nothing mm-hmm. um, and so I think there's that kind of magic in that sense and that um, you know soup in general, can just kind of transform a meal for you and, and, and your day, let's be honest, especially on a cold day like today. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a great way to use it up. Like you said, everyone brought something. You can use up your entire produce bin of, you know, the squash that doesn't look so pretty or totally. the cauliflower that's waning. And it's a wonderful way to bring all those flavors together and create something new and delicious. Totally. I just actually made lunch for the office yesterday um, based off of uh, a bunch of stuff that was going kind of in our fridge. And, you know, I had some lentils, I had some carrot, parsnip, celery threw all together, a bunch mm. of spices, Yum. some water, thickened it. It was, it was perfect. So I think that, you know, soup definitely is one of those things that can, yeah, transcend a little bit. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Um, let's cover the basics just quickly. You need a soup pot. 
I wonder at Savor Magazine if you're only using um, homemade stock or broth versus the canned version. Just give us, you know, some of the guidelines. We use, we, you know, we'll use both. Um, we often will break down an entire chicken and we'll go through leeks and some cuttings of carrots and we'll save all of those things in the freezer and eventually make uh, chicken stock out of that. Oftentimes, though, we might just use um, or use boxes of chicken broth. Um, we'll save shells from, you know, crabs and whatever and make stocks. But I think a lot of people at home, and that's who we're cooking for when we develop these recipes, may not, you know, have that luxury or time to make their own um, stocks. So we often will use store-bought stuff um, just because that's what a lot of people are using, you know, in their day-to-day life. And I think um, but there's, I agree. there's nothing better than, than smelling stock no. going on the stove all day. <laughs> that's very true. And, but I think that great cooks are using convenience products more and more because they're trying to save time, but they still want to cook. And I'm all yeah. for it. And I always just encourage if you can buy low sodium and or organic when it comes to broths, you probably have the best flavor profile uh, totally. available, right? Especially with low sodium, because um, oftentimes that's a problem is that, you know, people might use one of those um, really salty um, broths. Yeah, like a base, soup. right? Yeah, and then and you keep adding salt, and, hmm. um, and then you might oversalt it. There are ways to fix, you know, oversalting. Um, do you throw in a potato? You know, yeah, with a potato. Yes. You can do, you know, some cooked rice in there, some lemon juice, um, and that'll all kind of absorb it and will help um, change you know, reduce that salt flavor, which is good. Yeah, very so It's smart. not the end of the world. <laughs> no, no, no. It can always be salvaged. I agree. Exactly. Um, share some of the cuisines, if you would, around the world that are highlighted within the book because the recipes really come from far and wide. And that's what I loved about your book release is that it's, it's something different. It tastes different to me. Thank you. Yeah, totally. So we go everywhere from Iceland, um, Iran, Mexico, a lot of stuff, you know, right here in the United States. Um, all the way to, you know, Southeast Asia as well. Mm. Um, we kind of span the globe. You know, Silver does that, uh, you know, in general when we are cooking. Um, and this book is no different from that. What I love about that is it's a new taste. It's new flavors on the plate. And especially at the beginning of the year when we talk about new year, new you, and eating cleaner and leaner, I, I want something different, right? I, I'm looking for a new spice or something bright and flavorful to ignite my palate. So can we start in Russia, please? Yes. Because yes, totally. I was raised in a Jewish household, and there might be nothing better than sweet and sour cabbage soup made right. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved the idea in your Russian sweet and sour beef soup that there is a bounty of meat. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, there's a few different kinds. There's, you know, salami, ham, kielbasa, beef chuck, a bit of everything. Um, and I think one of the best things about this soup is that, you know, at the end it's really finished with um, some bright flavors and some brininess with pickles and capers, um, which is awesome. And it kind of it, it kind of transforms that soup um, and those flavors with the richness of all the mm. meats. And then, you know, that briny, you know, olives and pickles and, um, and capers and really just kind of makes it something that you, you find a lot of comfort in, which is, I think, what soup does. Yes, always a good thing. Faraday, if you would take a quick pause, there are more savory soups and stews to simmer away right after the break. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back.
We're back and we're dishing with the test kitchen director of Savour magazine. The new book, Savour Soups and Stews, is out. I think that's really interesting because we're seeing this movement of preserved vegetables, right? Like pickled everything. I don't, yes, I don't, and yes. I don't think kimchi could get any hotter, Faraday. I really <laughs> yes. don't. But if you were to ever like take the Russian approach to it, it's sort of what you're doing here. You've got that cabbage, brininess, mm-hmm. capery goodness going on with that umami and depth of flavor from all the meat combining. Oh, totally. Oh, I can't wait to make it. That looks really yes. good. And then, you know, you can, you know, finish it with a little bit of sour cream um, mm. to help balance it and yes. neutralize it. But you also don't have to use the sour cream. That's totally your call, which is, which is nice. Okay. My call is yes on sour cream. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, in very different contrast, which I think is interesting, from Portugal, you talk about in the book a national favorite, which is the um, spicy cabbage and chorizo soup recipe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so this is, it's not quite as many meats. There's mainly just uh, chorizo in it, but it does have the, you know, cabbage at the end and there's beans in there. Um, and I think that there's also chili flakes, which has a nice spice. Yeah, to nice it. bite. Um, oh yeah. And then you're finishing it with, you know, maybe a bit of the juice of a lemon, but mm. beans is one of my favorite things that I don't know. I keep beans, like cans of beans and dried beans in my cupboard at all times because you can use beans, like throw them into any soup, throw them into pasta, throw them into a salad, whatever. Mm. Um, but beans is one of those things that, I don't know, is my a pantry staple for me. Your go-to for sure. Um, today would be a good Sunday soup day. Yes. Especially if you had some crab shells in the freezer. I love that you say that you collect them and keep them frozen or you keep the trimmings from vegetables so that you can make a big batch of stock when, you know, you have a, a bag full of trimmings per se. Yes. And I have to admit to you, I'm from Maryland and oh. we, you know, obviously are known for our crabs. Yes. And I, you know, we're picking crabs all summer long and then, you know, freezing the shells and, you know, we have a recipe in the book, um, a golden garlic indigenous crab soup, and you're making your own crab stock. That's what I was now, looking at. Yes. Yes. It's so, so good. And I've used that crab stock not only for that recipe, but I make Maryland crab soup or cream of crab soup using that stock. And it just, it totally, you know, makes the dish, uh, just elevates it and kind of, you know, makes it into really intense, rich flavor um, with that a trick you could also do if you wanted. And this helps with not just, um, you know, seafood, but, you know, if you're doing chicken stocks and everything or, or beef bones, roast them because that will also develop a really nice caramelized flavor, um, which adds intensity to your stock. Yeah, definitely so. And it, I think, sort of extends the flavor as well. If you don't have enough, you mm-hmm. can always build flavor that way. I'm the crazy person that goes to a restaurant um, and has a lobster and then asks for just the shell to be put in the to-go container. Well, no, it's true. I mean, it does make for great stock. And I can't wait to make that golden garlic and Dungeness crab soup. Ooh, and by the way, classic mushroom barley and that beautiful spiced chicken and wheat berry porridge and pork and black bean stew and stewed (laughs) red beans and walnuts. Yes, and on and on and on. Um, They are really beautifully inspired recipes. And I think it's a wonderful way to expand your repertoire, especially during the chillier months Um, with recipes for soups and stews. And so we thank you and we thank Savour as well. And I hope you'll come back when the weather changes, Faraday, and share, yes, of course, some of the spring highlights from the book. I would love to. Good. Well, you have an open (laughs) invitation and I look forward to talking with you again. There's more fabulous food in your radio to feed your soul right after this. Don't go away. 
Set your culinary sights higher. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Okay, it's time for a reboot, right? And Sarah Dickerman is here to wax poetic on eating clean in 2016. Sarah, a professional chef, food writer, and James Beard Award winner, is the mastermind behind the Bon Appetit Food Lovers Cleanse. And since she knows that you and I love to eat... I'm really hoping that she'll be easy on us. This is the time of year when we think about healthy eating. Um, but as you, my listener, knows, I am not the cabbage soup diet kind of girl, and I hate to miss a meal. It's the new tandem cookbook that Sarah is sharing to the cleansing program that she, along with Bon Appetit, launched six years ago to make healthier practices part of everyday life. And the book is called The Food Lovers Cleanse for a Reason. I have read through the book, and I believe it is doable, and I am very glad that she is here. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks, <laughs> thanks so much. Yes, of course. Okay, the holidays and the indulgent eating with no guilt have come and gone. It's time mm-hmm. to clean up our acts. But I think the word cleanse makes some people quiver. So tell us, <laughs> it's true, where do, where do we start? Well, I'm, I'm probably one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's why I had to write a book. That's right. Um, because I think so many people make, you know, there's a good reason for it. You've, you've eaten a lot over the holidays, and then you're you're ready to sort of, you know, tweak your habits and get it back in better shape and, and get back to keep eating the good foods we know we need to be doing. But then they, then a lot of programs are very radical, where you sort of cut out lots and lots of stuff and sometimes even solid food for a few days. And then the first thing you do... Uh, or at least for me, the first thing I do after something really radical is go back to eating. And like I say, oh, I had to drink juice for three days, so now I'm going to have a great big cake. Yes, uh, chocolate cake. Whatever it That's is. what I was thinking. And, and so, you know, I I really uh, wanted with this book and in, in the years of working on the cleanse uh, to do something that, like, took that energy and enthusiasm I have for good eating and put it towards the use of coming up with good food that's good for me and hopefully and good for for people in general um so it was designed very much for my own desire to eat and love of cooking and also i think that bringing things back to the home kitchen helps at this time of year too because that's where you can control the most um the most uh, flavor first of all but also you know the quality of your ingredients and what you're putting into your body so if you're cooking at home, you have control of that. So if you can kind of get in the habit of cooking more frequently and cooking good food more frequently, I think that's a really winning solution for uh, a lot of people. Um, you talk about discipline a lot in the book. And I liked mm-hmm. reading it because I thought it was a good reminder, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a mindset to sort of try to get back into. Are there serious, specific things you would tell us in general Now's the time to cut those out or any mm-hmm. particular substitutions that you might recommend to keep us from craving. Well, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's mental stuff and then there's, you know, food stuff. Right. And I, think, and I think it's important to consider both. In terms of the food stuff, our program cuts things out and emphasizes good things. And I always want to put the emphasis on that. There's great things for you to eat, too. So we do cut out refined sugars and refined flours and um, cut out processed meats 
and in general the meat portions are slimmer than probably you'd find in another typical recipe. They're more four to five ounce portions of meat rather than sort of six to eight ounce portions of meat. Um, we don't use a lot of saturated fats, um, and uh, we don't use a lot of dairy, but we do keep cultured uh, dairy in there like yogurt, Greek, live cultured dairy like Greek yogurt. Um, because I think it's really good to keep ingesting um, live cultures. Yes. Good for immunity and digestion and things like that. And I love so I love my Greek overview. yogurt. Yeah, I know. I love it, too. I do. It's just so good. And then, and then in the positive side, we have uh, lots and lots of vegetables, lots of whole grains, wonderful fruits, um, and lots of sources of flavor. Because I think layering flavor, if you can make, good for you food tastes delicious, you're more likely to return to it, incorporate it into your rotation of recipes you do all the time. And that's yes. my real goal is to make it easier for you to, to choose something good. Yeah, and eat it again as a leftover. Um, will you please come back next season and, and help us uh, food lovers cleanse again? Because I think it's a really good practice. And with the recipes mm-hmm. that you provide, there is no doubt that we can shift healthier. These are delicious home-cooked meals, the best way you know how, I will tell you. Really beautiful habits can be um, devised from the Food Lovers Cleanse, the new book release from Sarah Dickerman and Bon Appetit. It's 140 delicious nourishing recipes that will tempt you back into healthful eating, and now is the time. You will come back, Sarah, right? I would adore to. I love it. Good. I can't wait. (laughs) I look forward to having you back on the radio. And um, since you've proven that the cleanse isn't about denial, right? It's about celebrating. It's about celebration. Yes, yeah. and I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your passion. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. So that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration. I hope that I sharpened your cooking skills and that I pleased your palate, and that you'll tune in every Sunday for more delicious conversation. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour. I am a huge fan of those chewy, nutty, fruit-filled energy bars, the clean ones, of course, and I find that they're the perfect afternoon snack. If you are too, have you ever looked at the ingredients in your favorite bar? Well, if you have, then you've realized that you can make them for much less cost and even more flavor. And here's how. You need simply dried fruit that you fancy and some really tasty nuts, preferably toasted. And then, of course, you need to include either dried dates or dried apricots because you need something sticky as a binder to hold it all together. You can play around with adding other ingredients to your homemade energy bars, uh, like let's say chia seeds or a handful of coconut. All you need to remember is the ratio. One part dried fruit, one part toasted nuts, and one part dried dates or apricots. And then you just add the extras in as you like. It's a simple food processor recipe that comes together in about a minute. This show goes way beyond mere eating and drinking. And the culinary conversation continues next Sunday. So I'll meet you here. And I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well. Well.